Romans chapter number 12, if you will. Romans chapter number 12, and uh, we'll let folks kind of drift in. The freeway being closed coming westbound uh, was a shocker this morning, so it probably has delayed some folks, and I know some other folks are working and doing so. We will carry on, and they can catch us online or at a later date uh, anyway. Romans chapter 12, now we're down and starting verse 17. Uh, recompense to no man evil for evil, provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so do, doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. We come now to the next section, the third section here, in the issue of God's will concerning our reasonable service. And it has to really do with God's attitude towards the world. If you'll notice here, verse 17, recompense to no man evil for evil, and then verse 21, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So those bookend verses again identify out for us where we're talking about and then really who we're talking about. And as we move from body life, the relationships that we have with each other in, in, in our body life connections, then now we move to this relationship that we're going to have with those of the world, the lost, but really in a very specific manner. Uh, God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. We understand that. That's okay, but here it's, it's, it's a very specific relationship. And look at there at verse 20. Therefore, if thine, what, enemy, we're, we, we're, we are to have a worldview about our enemy, not just the lost and the world out there, okay? Because sometimes the lost can do you good. We're talking now about very specific, those who unjustly attack you for who you are in Christ, for your belief. And, and literally, that's what we're doing. It's very specific here. It's not just the lost people. What's God's attitude toward the lost? He would have them get saved that's, and come to the knowledge of the truth. So that's nothing, that's nothing unique here in Romans. We've actually already learned that in chapters 1 to 5. But here in chapter 12, in our reasonable service to those outside of us, to those without, as Schofield labels this section, the world, it's very specific, very specific here. It has to do with our enemy. And literally what we need to remind ourselves and learn if we don't know is what is God's attitude towards the world. God has no enemies in the world today. He doesn't. Because what's his attitude toward the world? Well, look back at chapter 1, just real quick. Chapter 1, verse 7. And Paul starts all of his epistles this way. That's how you know Paul is It's one of the signatures of Paul. 
he says to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What's the official attitude of the Godhead toward the world? Grace and peace. So when we think about uh, this issue here of, of God really doesn't have an enemy in the world today, you may say, oh, yeah, but Rick, they hate God. Hating him is de- he doesn't he his attitude towards the world is not one of an enemy and that's literally what's happening here and as we develop this the same value the same uh viewpoint that that divine viewpoint that the god has has as we adopt to his way of thinking about our enemy that's why it's very specific here then what it begins to happen is is that same value system we begin to learn we how do we do it we are transformed we renew our mind then we're able to be presented as that living sacrifice and literally we in the realm of our inner man renewing our mind what should our attitude be towards our enemies and that's really what Paul is after here uh, come over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If we're going to accurately, and by the way, in 1217, this is, will be what presenting all things honest to all men is. If we're going to accurately reflect God's attitude, his mindset, his thinking, his opinion to those around us, then we have to learn that God doesn't really have any enemies today in the age of grace. Look at 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 19. 2 Corinthians 5, 19. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. What's he doing today? Reconciling the world unto himself. How? Not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. How is he reconciling the world? Well, the first thing he's not doing is imputing their trespasses. I have to remember in Acts 7 when Stephen looks up and sees the Lord standing, but he sees that issue of the glory there. Remember, we looked at that as we've come through chapters 9, 10, and 11. What's happened in Acts 7, in that moment, the armies of heaven are ready to come back and pour out wrath and judgment. Come back to Romans 9. You have to rem- that This is why... You have to have Romans 9, 10, and 11 in your thinking before you can get into 12 to 16 because there's some things dispensationally in God's attitude towards the world that you have to be aware of. Look, look in chapter, uh, I said 9, right? Yeah, it's 9. 9, look at verse 22. What if God willing to show his wrath and to make his power known. What was he ready to do in Acts 7, 51 and following? He's ready to pour out his wrath and make his power known. But instead, what did he do? He endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted for destruction. What did he do? He reached down and saved Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus, introduced the dispensation of grace, held back his wrath. He's holding it back right now. Why? Because he's got, a, he's got a no enemy. He's trying to reconcile the world to himself. Come over to chapter 11. 
11, this is why the setting aside, the fall, the casting away, the diminishing away of Israel is so critical to properly put it where it belongs in that Acts ministry, that Acts time period, because of 11.15. For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the what's, what's he doing today? He's reconciling the world. He's, the world deserves wrath. The, deserve, the world was fitted for destruction. But he did, he did what? He endured with long suffering. So when you come into chapter 12 here of Romans, we have to accurately reflect that. And what we're going to learn here and see as we go into this is that, the, that God wants the world to know that, he, <laughs> that he's not their enemy. Okay? And then he wants to know that the, he wants the world to know that they are not his enemy. You follow that? Two things. He's not their enemy, and they are not his enemy. What, they're lost. They need to get saved. They're ignorance and unbelief. Okay? But he's not their enemy. Now, what does the world think? The world thinks God is his their enemy, don't they? So then they act out. There's a, a little thing on Facebook that I saw, maybe you did too. The secular person says, I want to do X. The Christian says, you're free to do it. The secular person, but you think X is wrong. The Christian, yes. The secular person, because you want to control me. Christian, no, you're free to do whatever you wish. The secular person, but you think X is wrong. The Christian, yes, but only because I want what's best for you. The secular, but I want to do X. The Christian, you're free to do it. The secular, I, but I want you to say that X is good. The Christian, I can't say that. The secular, why are you such a hateful, intolerant bigot? Right? You know that. You're aware of that. And I, I, I copied that off because there's your enemy. See? Unjustly attacking you for what you believe, for who you are in Christ. And what we're privileged to do is to make manifest some things about God's character, about his nature, about how he views the world today. How does he view it? Grace and peace, long-suffering, love, joy. Romans 5.8, but God committed his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, what did he do? He died for us. And, and we have that privilege to demonstrate, to present it, to make it, put it out there on display of his attitude towards not just the lost, but very specifically, verse 20, the enemy. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, what are we to do? We're to feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Now, that's an interesting thing, especially because of verse 19. And we'll get there. Why do this? Why do we feed? Why do we give them drink? Well, God's communicating something to the world. And he wants the world to understand his view of them is that he loves them. And he's provided for their very real need, which is what? Eternal justification. Okay? 
So when, verse 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. We're called upon to live that way, that attitude. God, we're to view the world the way that God views it. The way that we treat our enemy has to be an accurate reflection of how God views and thinks about them. Okay? Got it? Good. Let's pray and we'll go eat some donuts. Because Ray and Rebecca brought donuts, all right? Okay? They're celebrating. You're not, you're not getting off the hook that easy, okay? So when you think about this, as we go through, we'll start here in verse 17. It's a very specific view here. It isn't just the lost of the world, but rather it's this issue about the enemy. So verse 17. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Now think about this. Again, context, 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 right? So the evil here, it, 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 you know, we understand evil. <laughs> Linda likes that criminal mind show. And there's a lot of evil depicted in that, you know. But that's not what he's talking about, okay. He's talking about evil here. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Recompense. Payback. Let's get even. Paul is calling us to do something, by the way, that's not natural. What's your natural reaction of your flesh? Payback. Mel Gibson had a great movie. It's called Payback. I like that movie. I mean, he just wants his money. Payback. Bam, bam. Well, that's what our natural. Hey, if, if we go talk to someone and they get down to the end, you're a hateful, intolerant bigot, what do we want to do? We want to bloody your nose, don't we? It's like, wait a minute. I'm just telling you you're free to do this. I just disagree with what you're doing. And then you call me a bunch of unjustly attack me. So what are we doing here? Well, we're to recompense to no man evil for evil. As we renew our mind, as we're transformed, as we grow, verse 17 should become, a, become natural. It should become second nature for us. That as someone attacks, our response to our enemy is verse 20. Our response to our enemy is, is a smile, is a long-suffering, is an endurance. That's how it should be. Our, again, our natural reaction isn't that. You hit me, I'm going to hit you harder, you know. I'm going to get back at you. And that's where the issue of recompensing comes in. Recompense, to pay back, to get even. If our enemy attacks, we need to understand that it's not our job to get even. It's not our place. We're not the judge. Yeah, but Rick, he unjustly did it. Okay, but your justice system is skewed to, you know, uh, we were, somebody was talking and I heard them, they, they were talking about something and they go, well, I'm, I'm uh, biased. Oh, I know what it was. We, were talk we had the little baby. Monday night, and Rachel was holding it, and she goes, well, I'm a little biased. Well, yeah, why? It's mom. It's my baby. It's, so her viewpoint is what? It's this. When that's, so if, you're, if harm comes in, 
if the recompense comes in, the evil, sorry, we don't need we need to understand that we don't need to get even. That comes from an inner man adjustment. Because again, they cut me off. What am I going to do? Speed up and cut them off again, you know? No, don't do that. Just back up and give them a little space and they'll go on, you know, or they'll get mad cuz you didn't and then they'll come, you know, whatever. But the, it's, it's the issue of an attitude. Again, we usually retaliate according to our justice system, our fairness. And yet, really, that's not the way to go because we're a little biased because we're right and they're wrong. Follow that? So we're not, we're, no, it's not our place. What's our place? Verse 19, dearly beloved, avenge not yourself but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Who is the ultimate judge? The Lord is. He'll take care of it. Yeah, but it's just not now. You know, Ecclesiastes 8. Senate's not executed. They think they get away. Listen, folks, the lost world isn't getting away with anything. They think they are. You look at Washington. By the way, next week we'll start talking politics, okay? But... It's just ironic that we're going to be in chapter 13 in a political season here, okay? I didn't plan it that way. The Lord works in mysterious ways. No, no I'm just kidding. But what happens is, what, well, you know, look at what Washington's doing. They're getting away with it. They are not getting away with anything. That's the point here. That's the, the, the mindset. The problem is, <laughs> is we look at, let's get them now. Well, now's not the time for that. Today, God's attitude is grace and peace, long-suffering, joy. You need to get saved. I died for you. I loved you. You're not my enemy. And again, that's why he says, God's, you know, we, we are to manifest, one, God is not the enemy of the world, and two, the world is not the enemy of God. What do they need? They need to get saved. They need to understand that. And again, we just we oper, we tend to operate on our own justice system. But rather the judging belongs to the Lord. The judging belongs to the Godhead and we are to reflect God's thinking about the enemy. His opinion is we're not getting even today. I'm not imputing the trespasses and sins today. If he did what would he have to do? He would have to pour out wrath right now. Every time somebody messed up, there would have to be instant wrath and judgment. So where would you be? You wouldn't be here. You would have been dealt with back there. See, there's no, what's he doing? Reconciling the world today. So verse 17, again, they're not getting away with anything. <laughs> They're, uh, the enemy is someone who's attacking you because of who you are in Christ, because of your belief. Okay? They're, and they think they're... By the way, this isn't turning the other cheek. Because if you'll notice in verse 20, what are you doing with your enemy? If he hungers, what are you doing? You're feeding him, and if he's thirsty, you're giving him drink. You're not running from him. You're actually standing there dealing with them, see. Titus, Paul tells Titus after the first and second admonition, 
reject them. Now they're here. That means what? I'm at least there for two conversations about truth and about doctrine before I'm enough's enough, before I'm verse 18. <laughs> okay, I'm going to live peaceably with you. So verse 17, recompense to no man evil for evil, no, pay, no, no payback, no recompense. The judge will get them. By the way, that getting is the great white throne judgment. That's where he gets them. Okay? They'll live out their lives. If they're unsaved, they'll die. They'll go to hell. The hell's delivered to the judgment seat, the great white throne judgment, sorry, and he'll get them. If they're believers and they mess with you, he's going to get them where? The judgment seat of Christ. He gets them. He's the judge. Come, on, come over to 2 Corinthians 4. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 4. 1 Corinthians 4. And if you can remember this, 2 Corinthians 4, if you can catch the idea here of what Paul's doing in 17 to 21 about the enemy, again, it's, it's, more, it's very specific. Then when, when people come up to you, that, and again, they're, they're not believers, then you have a different way of looking at them going, wait a minute, I can sit here and be okay with the attack because the goal is to get you saved. Now, the believers, if a believer attacks you, I can be here. You've got other passages, 2 Timothy 2. They're opposing themselves. I can give them the doctrine. I can let them be. I can dismiss them. Remember last time in chapter 12 we saw that uh, where he says there to bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Hey, that's a believer persecuting you. You can just stop them and say, hey, look, you need to be there. Leave me alone and move on and not speak ill of them. In, in, in 2 Thessalonians 3, he says you don't treat them as an enemy. You treat them as a brother. So you've got different avenues here. Here we're talking about an enemy, someone who is attacking you for your belief system. Look at 1 Corinthians 4. Look at verse 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who will both bring the light, the hidden things of darkness, the spiritual darkness, and will make manifest the counsel of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. Now that's a reference to the judgment seat of Christ. But don't, don't get into this thinking they're, they're getting away with something. They're not. There is going to be a judgment of the members of the body of Christ, but also here of the great white throne judgment, which is where we're talking about here. Go, go back to Romans 12, verse 17. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Again, evil. Well, what kind of evil? In the context, verse 20, the issue of the enemy. Someone who is actively opposing you. But you as who you are in Christ. They're not withstanding you because you got blonde hair and blue eyes and a pink shirt or whatever. They're opposing you because of your identity in Christ. There, there's an attack. Now come back to chapter 8 of Romans. And again, this stuff, this idea should not be new to us because we've been through the sound doctrine here already learned. What happens in Romans 8? Look down at verse... 30, 31. 
What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? See that question? Verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? There's the enemy. Is it Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? You see all that physical stuff there? So the attack can take a physical form. It can take an emotional form. It can take a social form. It can take a a economic form, famine, nakedness. It can take different forms where they come in and that enemy is one who's seeking to unjustly hurt you. There's no rhyme or reason. I read that thing off of Facebook. Well, I want to do this. No, yeah, you can. You're free to do it. Well, I want you to say good. No, I'm not going to say good because I don't think it's good. Well, then you're just a hatred, hatred old bigot guy. Well, no, I'm not. So what do we do? Our flesh rouses up and we just want to punch them. And yet, what are we to do? We're to, have a diff- we're to have a different mindset. Come over to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Just notice this. I, I know the Lord's talking here. And he's talking to the little flock. Luke 6, 27. But I say unto you which hear... Obviously, if they're hearing it, they're the believing remnant. The apostate nation doesn't have ears to hear. They don't have eyes to see. The believing remnant has an ear to hear and an eye to see. Notice what he says. Love your enemies. Do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. That's interesting, isn't it? Notice their attitude. And their attitude is to be one that's very similar to ours. Now, hold on to 6 and come over to chapter 9. Chapter 9. So the Lord tells them in Luke 6, in the Sermon on the Mount and so forth, that's the Beatitudes. He's talking to them about how the, how the saints in the kingdom are going to live. What does he say? Love your enemies. Do good to them which hate you, bless, curse, encourage you, and pray for them, right? So love, do good, bless, and pray. Now watch Luke 9. Look at verse 51. And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him, and they did not receive him, because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. So they rejected him. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, now what did they see? They saw the Samaritans' hatred for the Savior, for the Messiah. They rejected him. They wouldn't let him in. They said, Lord, wilt thou that... Wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? Now, wait a minute. Two and a half chapters earlier, what did the Lord tell them to do? Love your enemies, don't hate them, bless them, and pray for them. And what is James and John ready to do? 
Come on, call fire down like Elijah did and smoke them out, man. We'll fix their, we'll fix their little red wagons. You see, what's our natural response? Call fire down and consume them. You, we've all done that. Lord, just change the dispensation for 30 seconds and zap that dude. Just zap him. You haven't, you've never done that? Oh, I do it all the time. I'm probably up to like 10 years now in my 30-second prayer. No, you've done that. Just zap him. I know you don't do it, but just make a little special case, a little special gap in within the dispensation here, and just clean their clock one time. Then, you know, they'll straighten up, right? That's what James... Now, the Lord, by the way, the Lord goes on, verse 55, but he turned and rebuked them and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. See, they're not thinking, they don't have the divine viewpoint yet. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Notice what the Lord did. He's, he's taught, he's training them. Love, don't hate them, don't curse them, bless them, don't pray for them. They go in to work out the opportunity to work out that sound doctrine that he just gave them. And what they do? They failed. So he's got to do what? Hey, guys, I'm not here to destroy. I'm here to do what? Save lives. I'm here. I've come to seek and to save those that are lost. So what's the natural bent for you and I? Call down fire from the heaven, man, and consume them. So in, when you come back to chapter 12 of Romans, Paul and the Lord through Paul knows that he's asking you to do something very unnatural. It is against your nature, your sinful nature, to bless and to pray for them and to love them and to feed them and to give them. You want to call fire down out of heaven and just torch them. So what do you have to do? You have to do verse 1 and 2. You've got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You take in the sound doctrine learned. And then you present yourself that living sacrifice. And as a believer... How are we to treat the enemy? Well, with some kindness, with some tenderheartedness, with some, with some love, with some, hey, God loves you, I lo therefore I love you, even though you just unjustly hurt me. You had no reason to do that. I gave you no reason to attack. That gets over in what Peter tells a little flock in, First and Second Peter, that hey, if you're going to suffer, let's at least suffer for the right for for the Lord's sake. Don't suffer because you made a dumb decision. See, the law of the harvest idea. So back, go back to chapter twelve of Romans. So the real enemy is one who's attacking you because of who you are in Christ. That relationship. So. The evil, recompense, eat no, uh, recompense to no man, evil for evil, is very specific in the context of those who are opposing you on the grounds of who you are in Christ, your identity. Okay? So when they oppose you, then what are we to do? Well, what did the Son of Man come in to do? He came in to take care of them. But do you still have Luke 6? No, probably not. Go back to Luke 6 real quick. There was a verse in there to see. Luke 6. Look at verse 22. Luke 6, 22. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you 
and when they shall separate you from their company and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Why are they doing this to the believing remnant, the little flock? Because of their relationship with Christ. That's why they're doing it. And by the way, this is apostate Israel, so Jews doing it to Jews. But it's an unbeliever doing it to a believer. That's the issue. So when you come back to Romans 12, the recompensing to no man evil for evil, the evil is very specific in, in the issue of the enemy. What is the attack? Then you, you have a choice in the matter. You can reflect God's viewpoint, God's opinion, and you can feed them, and you can tenderheartedness, long-suffering. You can take care of business. Now, verse 17. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Well, obviously you want to be honest Lying doesn't get you anywhere, you know. Raising the kids, you're going to get in trouble, just don't lie about it. Because if you lie about it, that's two spankings, okay? That's two disciplinary issues. Tell me the truth. It might not go easier on you, (laughs) but you tell me the truth. Why? Because we don't lie. If you start lying, then you got to remember the lie, and then you forget the lie, and then you tend ten lies in. And the next thing you know, you're caught in a lie. You know, the lies and the lies and the lies. What is that? Uh, uh, I, got it. I just had the quote. It went through my mind. It doesn't matter. Provide things honest. The Provide things honest in the sight of all men. The issue here is the providing. Not the honesty, the providing. What are we providing in the sight of all men? We need to provide, we need to respond as who we are in Christ and not retaliate, not get even, not pay back. See, how does Christ view them? What's his mindset? Okay, grace and peace, long-suffering, kindness, You need to get saved. So then what's our response back? Same thing. See, I had a lady one time at the bus yard when I was working at Mesa. I worked at Mesa, Chandler, and Gilbert. Okay? So at Mesa, most of my time, we were sitting there, and she, I was reading uh, a book on Paul and his life, and she's like, who's this Paul guy? So we got to talking. And she just, you know, she didn't know, she had no idea who Paul was. She just wanted to argue. So I let her argue. And I just looked at her and said, well, you know what your problem is? And she goes, oh, here we go. It's a guy going to tell another woman his problem, her problem is. I said, no, your problem is, is you're lost on your way to hell. (gasps) Rick, we need to see you in the office. I'm like, okay. So I told her the truth, you know, but I needed to shut her up. Because it was like, this went on for a week. I just finally said, you know what your problem is? is, One, you don't like men, and that was the case. But two, you're just lost on your way to hell. Well, that got me in trouble for a moment. I was just told not to, you can't talk religion at at work. Like, okay. Nowadays, it'd probably throw me in jail. But the thing is, is sometimes you just got to say stuff like that, that you're lost on, to shut them up. To calm it down because it just gets so intense. But what are you trying not to do? You're not. You're trying. What's your natural thing want to do? Pop them right between the eyes. No. What What should we do? 
we, we should provide things honest in the sight of all men. This is who we are in Christ. We're not to retaliate. But, verse 18. Now, I love verse 18. In the context, we're talking enemy, we're talking... But man, what a life, what a way to live life. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Now, I apply that across the board, saved, unsaved. But notice something. Notice the issue. If it be possible. Well, is it possible? Yes, it is. Is it, if it be possible, as much as lieth where? In you. This is on you internally. In our renewed mind, it is possible to be at peace no matter what the issue is. Now, if being at peace means I don't see you, talk to you, be around you, then that's what has to happen. And that's regardless of saved or unsaved. I have some brothers in Christ that I don't be around because as soon as I see them, I know what happens to me. I'm no longer at peace. So I just, I choose, they don't choose, I choose to what? Be at peace. Why? Because if I'm there, things might get said, the old nature gets going, the, the ego gets moving, and, you know, I get the same way as you. I'm, you know, most of the time I'm a little better than you, but, you know, it's, no, I'm just kidding. Not, yeah, exactly. I'd laugh too. I'm just kidding. It's just us today, you know. But see, the thing is, is if it be possible, God, we are supposed to be at peace. That's the issue. How do we handle? How do you recompense to no man? How do you provide things honest? You can only do that if you're what? At peace. If you're on the war path, you're not doing that. You're getting even. You be at peace. God never says that we're going to be at peace with the world. Rather, what does he say? The world's going to hate you. The world's going to get you. The world hated Christ more and before he ever hated you, but because you're in Christ, what does this world do? It hates you. That's why Paul will tell Timothy, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. There's the message, the attack. Nor of me, his the messenger, the attack. That two-pronged attack by the system, off they go. The believer is always, it is always possible to be at peace, to live peaceably. Now, for the world, it may not be possible, but that's their problem. That's not your problem. This is about you, your relationship, your responsibility. If the world is consumed with hatred against you, then as the believer, the believer is to be con consumed with peace. Now, come over to 1 Timothy 2. And that, that is something that gets lost. And honestly, the emotion of the governmental question when we get down in verse 13. Now come to 1 Timothy 2. 1 Timothy 2. Watch verse 2 carefully. Because this verse gets misused. He says, for kings, verse, verse 1, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplication, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men for kings and for all that are in authority, that 
All right, so why am I praying for the kings and all that be authority? Why am I praying for all men that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness? And there's that honesty again, okay? But what happens is, is people will use that and just say, we need to be praying up here so that they'll leave us alone and let us have a quiet and peaceable life. But that's not what that verse says. That we may what? Lead. I don't dance, okay? I don't drink, I don't chew, I don't go with the girls that do, <laughs> okay? But in dancing, usually one partner is the lead, isn't it? You take the lead. You're moving them across the, you're moving. You, our job is to take the lead in living a quiet and peaceable life. We take the lead in it. We're hoping the government will stay off our necks, but if they don't, what's our, still our response? To lead a quiet and peaceable life. Why? Because 1218 says, is it possible? If it be possible, it's possible, it's my, my call, that I can do what? Live peaceably with all men. But 2-2, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and Honesty, godliness, godlikeness, reflecting his view about the world, about the enemy. Here the enemy is the government, the kings, but it's also all men. Verse 1, what are they doing? They're attacking. What's going to happen in Romans 13 when we get there next week? We're going to find out that government, they got, the, they got the job of the sword, and they can wield that bad boy, and they'll wield it on you because of who you are in Christ. If you tell people it's changing in our country, you, you live over in the China, you just can't walk up and down the street passing out tracks in China. Because what will happen? The government will get you. Some brothers in the Netherlands, they were over, uh, Jan and Stelma and those guys, they were over here and they were amazed at how you could just leave a track on the table at dinner, at lunch. You can't do that in the Netherlands. Now, you can meet publicly. They had a public meeting place. But you can't step out onto the pave, onto the sidewalk and pass tracks out. If they come in, fair game. But you can't go out and recruit, he called it. Why? As soon as you do, what, what's going to happen? The government comes, locks you up, throws you in jail for 30 days. There's an enemy, isn't it? What is that enemy doing? Attacking based upon what you believe. If someone unjustly attacks, you need to be honest with them. And you know what? My God says, I love you. My God says, grace and peace. That's the way you are to respond. So come back to Romans 12. So when you think about this, if it be possible as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men, it is, it's your mandate to live peaceably. But you are to take the lead. You're to come along and to pick up the mantle and to, and to move. And again, if they unjustly attack you, well, what did God say to the lost world? I love you. I died for you. What do they need to get? They need to get saved. 
And that literally becomes that heaps of coal on their head. When you, give them, when you have someone who's on your, on your neck and you turn around and you give and you show them God's love, that's a little prick in their conscience. It's a little, it's not a goad. It's a conviction. They're being convicted. Say, what's going on? Why, do we, why is he acting like this? He ought to be mad at me. By, you know, before he was and now he's not. What's happened? Well, a switch clicked and that's okay. <laughs> you know, you learn from that and you grow. And that's what we're doing here. So verse, so in, you're back in chapter 12. Again, folks, you've got to remember to keep all this in context here. And the way that we're to respond to the unjustly, unjustified attack is to reflect God's attitude toward the one doing it. And if you think about the rage against our Savior by the system, by the governmental system, the religious system, the course of Judah, uh, Satan enters into Judas to get the job done. I mean, you think about the rage that the world unloaded on the Lord at Calvary. And what is the first thing out of his mouth? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He just looked, he, there's, don't lay this at their feet. Move it from murder to manslaughter change it and then he goes through Calvary all the rage that God had against sin poured out on Calvary he looks into the cup of the wrath of my indignation without mixture not no delusion diluting that's why in the beginning when they went to give him the the vinegar the hyssop and stuff he said no because it was a mind-numbing, it was like a morphine-type drug, and he couldn't do that. He had to have all his faculties, so he said no, but then now over here on the end, he still needed to fulfill that verse, so he says, I thirst, and they give it to him, and then he gives up the ghost, says it is finished, and gives up what's going on. All of that, we're to reflect that attitude. It's hard, don't get me wrong, you just want to reach out and smack somebody, touch them, AT&T, always touching and touching. Actually, it's always talking and talking, but there's a joke in there. Okay? But the thing is, is that's not the, the attitude of God today is one of grace and peace, long-suffering, tenderheartedness, love, joy, peace, those fruits of the Spirit. Verse 19. Dearly beloved. Uh, <laughs> wow. Wow. Notice how he says that. This tender point here, in the midst of an attack, in the, in the midst of the enemy raging at you, he reminds you who you are. Dearly beloved. Be loved. Best loved. Greatly loved. Most loved. First loved. There you are. And he says, hey, you need to remember something. Avenge not yourselves. It's not your job. It's, by the way, I'm, I'm sorry, keep reading. But rather, what? Give place under wrath. Give place. The place... 
for wrath is not right now in the dispensation of grace. What place does wrath have in the dispensation of grace? It has no place. He's not imputing their trespasses and uh, sins. What's he doing? He's reconciling the world. He's grace and peace, long-suffering. He's enduring the vessels fitted for wrath and destruction. Now, the wrath give place. So let's keep the wrath where it belongs in the future. See, there will be a time for wrath. But for now, dearly beloved, (coughs) avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For now, keep it where it belongs, out there in the future. Because Deuteronomy 32 says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. They think they're getting away with it. They're not getting away with it. By the way, the reason that Paul quotes Deuteronomy 32, so if you go back to Deuteronomy 32, and verse 35, Deuteronomy 32, 35, to me belongeth vengeance and recompense, payback, Excuse me. Their foot shall slide in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things that thou that shall come upon them make haste. That sits in the context of Moses telling Israel that they have forsaken their rock, capital R, and have gone after the little rock, the false gods, idolatry, and what's the Lord gonna do? They think they're getting away with it, but it belong, I'm going to clean them up. So back in 1219, what's Paul say? Just as Israel thought they were getting away with it, and God's going to take care of them, clean them up, recompense it, pay back. Same for you and I. And what's he doing? Avenge not. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. I'll take care of it. But for now, there's no room for the wrath. There's no room to recompense evil to evil. There's no room for it. So when you come back to Romans 12, the situation, by the way, the situation in Deuteronomy 32 is very much like it is today. (laughs) Okay? Spiritually speaking, in the world and so forth, it's the same, same scenario. And the Lord says, I'll get it. So what you need to do is I know you're facing it. I know you're taking it in the neck. Okay? You need to have my attitude about it. You need to have my opinion on it, which is 1220. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his. You need to do this for now. Therefore. Do this for right now. Feed them. Give them the drink. Be. Reflect the value 
and the mind and the esteem of Christ. The enemy is not getting away with anything. God will take care of them. So your job is to show them grace and peace, long-suffering love, and so on. Mercy. Yeah, but Rick, I don't want to get run over. He's not talking about being run over. There's a big false thing about Christians got to be <laughs> meek, but they also have to be weak. The Apostle Paul was never weak. He never let himself get bullied. Actually, he gets on the Corinthians for, letting, for them letting themselves get bullied. But at the same token, he identified the situation, worked through it properly. Come back with me to Proverbs 25. Proverbs 25. Proverbs is full of this, by the way. Proverbs 25. Verse 21. If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. There's the quote that Paul uses. Proverbs 25, 21, and 22. Now, if you think about the heaps of coals of fire on his head, Fire is judgment terminology. What's happening at the great white throne judgment? Well, heaps of coals of fire are being dumped on their head. Hell's got those different levels. Death and hell are delivered up. The sea, those in the sea are delivered up, and everything's cast into the lake of fire. That's the end result. Remember in Matthew 25, I think it is, where the Lord is sitting there, and he says to the goats on the one, the, he he separates out the goats from the sheep of the nations out there and the sheep he says you go and go on into the and they say when did we do this unto you and he says when you did it unto the least of these and there's a hunger and there's a thirst in there and there's an imprison and so forth and the goats look you didn't do it who was the enemy this group and what happened they're out so romans 12 21 be not overcome of evil but overcome evil with good Again, the context of the evil is the context of the enemy. The attack, the unjust attack that comes at you. So whatever form the attack is in, don't let it conquer you. Now Romans 8.37 says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. There's the conquer, there's the attitude, there's the thought process. But rather overcome evil with good. The good there is our response to whatever form of evil, whatever the form of the attack takes. And our response is one of grace and long-suffering, love, mercy, tenderheartedness, peace, and joy. That's the attitude that we're to take. God's will for you in your moving, your reasonable service, your relationship with those that are attacking you is to be verse 21. Don't let evil win the day. You go win the day. You win it by reflecting who you are in Christ. You win it by standing on, in the truth. 
That's why the first 11 chapters are so critical to have in your thinking. Because you would ar we've already been through a lot of this doctrinally. Now it's the application. Okay? Now next time we'll pick up and we'll start Romans 13. And uh, we'll introduce it. <laughs> because there's a lot going on. But if you think about government and you think about verse 1 and the third word in the verse... Let every soul, your reaction and your reasonable service and your attitude towards God is an inner man issue for the believer. For the world, it's an outer man. What are they doing to me? For you, it's not that at all. It should not be that, I should say. Therefore, this topic is very emotional and carries way more emotion for believers than it should and when you properly put it where it belongs then that emotion doesn't have to subside it just gets harnessed and then used okay so we'll talk about all that next time just remember the issue in 17 to 21 isn't so much the lost all the lost world out there but rather it's that enemy the one who's doing the attacking my neighbors are lost they don't attack me so I don't have to deal with them this way. Okay? Now, we did have a neighbor who did attack. So then what do I do? Now I have to do and deal this way. Follow? Okay? All right. Dear Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for the word, for the instructions in it, and for the folks that are here to study it out and to look into these things. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. We'll see you.